Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Be sure to tune in to whatever Bethesda Church is doing on our website, BethesdaChurch.tv, or check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Now, let's jump into today's message. guys glad to be in church today amen what a wonderful place to be welcome to Bethesda Church so glad that you are with us Uh, we've been in a series entitled shipwrecked have you guys enjoyed the series so far man I've so enjoyed teaching these principles so excited about today what God has to say to us Uh, in this series we've been intentionally trying to speak to the hurts that people have in their relationships because we don't normally get hurt by an event, we get hurt by a person. And I'm convinced that the emotional instability that a lot of people have comes from mismanaged relationships. When we mismanage relationships, it leads to an emotional instability. Uh, And I think a lot of people live there. And the reason for that is when you give someone your your soul. You give them access to your soul. When you love someone, you begin to trust them. They trust you. Uh, You start to bond, and you give people access to the things that are inside of your heart. You become vulnerable at that point. And so we have been trying to speak to those hurts, but we've also been speaking to this truth. Every person that is in a close relationship with you needs to be qualified We qualify for a lot of things, um, but we need to make people that have proximity to us, they should qualify for that proximity, that we are to set healthy boundaries. Um, I need need you you to earn my trust. Like I've said throughout the series, we love everyone, but not everyone is trustworthy. Okay? It's a big difference. Love and trust are not the same. I can love you and not trust you with my leaf blower like I said last week. Like, you know, that doesn't mean I don't love you. Trust and love are two different things. Um, But trustworthy, when you look at that word, what does it mean to be trustworthy? Well, the word worthy means that you have been tried and you passed the test. So when, when, when when we say God is worthy of praise, how many know God has been tried and he won, he's won every test, won every battle. And so that's why we give God praise. But the same thing needs to happen in your relationships. People need to pass the test in order to be close to you. And so let me say this before I give you the title today. The assignment on your life, the gifting God has placed on your life, it will inspire people it will also attract people to help you. And we celebrate that. We, we, we're thankful when God sends people to help us accomplish a dream that he's put, a, put on the inside of us. But you need to know that when you have an assignment from God, God will make sure that the right people come. But how many know the enemy wants to send the wrong people? And so this is where discerning your relationships comes in real handy. Because not everyone that is attracted to your gift is there for you. Some people want what you can give them, but they don't want you. And, and so you got to be able to distinguish that uh, and discern that. There are people um, also, let me say this, there are people that they want the blessing that you live in without doing what you did to get the blessing. 
Um, some, some of us just need to understand, some people are extremely blessed, and it's because they're obedient. Like, don't get mad that they're blessed if, if they're obedient and you're not willing to be. God honors obedience. He said, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. It's not that God, he's not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principle. Come on, somebody, this is good already. You're like, when's he preaching? I'm already preaching. Okay? So I want to talk to you about a heavy topic today. It may be the most challenging message in the series, um, but I want to call the message today, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Uh, we've got a lot of relationships in our life. We have a lot of boundaries that we have to set. We have to place people in different categories uh, in our life and, and give certain people access, more access than others. But here's what I want you to grab before we go into the Word. God has given you the authority to define your relationships. You get to define them. You get to decide where people are in your life. And so with today's message, I want to answer the question, what do I do if the relationship is broken? What, what do I do if the relationship has been harmed? How do I handle it if they've hurt my feelings? How do I handle it if I've hurt their feelings? That, that's some of the stuff we're going to hit and don't take the bait. But let's go to Luke chapter 17, starting in verse number one. It says, then he said, to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And verse number five cracks me up because he's like, you know, if you've got a problem, you go to them. If they sin against you, you and they repent, you forgive them. If they do it seven times in a day and they say, I'm sorry, you forgive them. And then the apostles said, Lord, Increase our faith. Now, how many can relate to that? Like, if you're going to rub me the wrong way consistently, I'm going to need some faith to do that. Increase our faith, Lord, to be able to forgive people, to be able to make the wrongs right. Everyone say this word with me. You've heard it probably this week. You've probably heard it, hear it on a daily basis. Some of you a daily, some of you weekly. But the word offended, everybody say offended. Offended. Now, say it real loud. Say offended. All right. We hear that word all the time. I can't tell you how often I run into people that tell me I'm offended or I I was offended, whatever whatever it is. But that word, it's almost like we treat it like it's our puppy dog. It's like our our thing, our offense, this thing that, that happened that we're still protecting for like... How many? It's not a good thing to live offended, right? Not a good thing. And so Jesus addresses this, and he says, it's impossible that no offenses should come. So if I have an expectation that I'm going to go through my life and not be offended, Jesus said, I've set the wrong expectation. 
that it's impossible to go through life and not experience feelings of hurt, disappointment, and possibly offense. Matthew chapter 24, verses 10 and 11, I want to show you this. It says, and then, he, then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up, and watch this, and deceive many. If you're taking notes, you need to write this down. Offense and deception are often connected. When I am offended, I am now in deception. And the reason for that is because anytime I'm offended, I don't see clearly. I can't see with God's perspective. Uh, offended people always believe. Have you ever noticed that offended people always believe they're right? Come on, y'all. If you're offended, you're right 100% of the time. And it's because you're mad, you're hurt, and therefore it is what it is, and I'm right, bless God. That's kind of our attitude. But it means that it, we are now in deception. We, we think we can see, but the truth is we're operating in darkness because we have chosen to live offended. When someone is offended, they can't see anything positive. You guys know how the drill works. If, 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 if you've hurt someone's feelings, then from, if, they, if they're offended, watch this, they can never see anything right that you do from now on. As long as they're in the mode of offense, you can never do right. And it's because they're choosing to see you through the lens of being offended. Once, once you are offended and you choose to respond that way, you will cause people, and, and you can jot this down, offended people often place people who love them into performance mode. So once I'm offended, now I've got a bar, I've got a standard, I've got a line, and I need you to perform to hit this marker. And, and, and the problem is that marker is going to keep changing as long as I stay offended because I'm never going to let them get there. I'm never going to let them, I'm never going to let them get to a place where they feel comfortable again as long as I am choosing to be offended. Uh, the Bible teaches us in the book of Proverbs that it is hard to win a person who has been offended, that they are tougher than a walled city. Scripture says that it's tougher to get to the heart of an offended person, it's tougher to do that than it is to get through a concrete fortified wall that protects a city. So the, the Word of God tells me that I have a better chance by myself to blast through concrete than to get to the heart of an offended person. A brother offended is extremely hard to win. And, and here's the thing I want you to pay attention to. Jesus said it's impossible to go through life without offenses coming. Now off the top of my head, I don't really think Jesus used the word impossible a whole lot. Matter of fact, he said, with God all things are possible. But he said, this one thing, you can't get, it's impossible to go through life and not get hurt, to not be disappointed, to not be let down. And, and, and here's what we gotta grab a hold of today. Um, he says, he, he t attaches that, he says it's impossible for that to happen. And then he says, woe to him through whom the offenses come. And I don't have time to preach on woe, 
But I'm just going to say to you today, you don't want a woe in your life. All right? Come on, hit somebody and say, you don't want woe. You don't want woe. All right? Woe to whom, to, to whom uh, they come through, woe to them. And so I'm going to tie another passage here in Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse number 15. I love this. It says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Selah. Pause and calmly think about what we just heard. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to even hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Now, I I don't have time to explain. That is like the bottom of the barrel in Jesus' culture. Like if you go to them one-on-one, they won't hear you. You take somebody with you, they won't hear you. And then you bring it to the whole church and they won't hear you. You got to let that, you got to let the joker go. They a heathen. Now, how many know we just read the Bible? This is Jesus. And I want you to see Jesus starts by telling us, if you have an issue with someone, go and tell them. And it's to be kept between you and them alone. And I need the Holy Spirit to help me right now because he did not say that if your brother sins against you, go tell your friends. Oh, yeah. Y'all don't want to hear this word. I know you don't. He, he did not say go to your connect group and tell them. There is no outlet at all if you've been offended to go anywhere except for the source by which the offense came. Anything outside of that is gossip. Jesus said, take the matter one-on-one, handle it alone. And, and, and some people will, they want to spiritualize these things and think that they need prayer. They'll say things like, well, you know, so-and-so really. Let, and I just want to say, no, no, no. You're not that spiritual because right now you're violating the word. Right now, you're doing the opposite of what Jesus... You don't have to go any further than, than, than the person who caused you this pain. Whoever that is, that's where you need to be. Don't share it with me. Go to them. And, and the reason we do that, when we, we want to lace everything with prayer, like pray for me, I need your help, or I need a friend. Really, we, we don't, we're not looking for prayer. We want somebody to know what they did to us. We, we want to elevate ourselves by demonizing them. That's what we want to do instead of doing it the way Jesus said. And I want to say this appropriately. Maybe I don't. If someone has wronged you, either go to them or shut your mouth. That's, that's what he said. If you're not willing to go to them, you got to just let it go. 
If you're not going to have that conversation, no conversation should happen. And so if your brother has offended you, if someone has wronged you, you go to them. Second step, Jesus was very clear. If they don't hear you, what do I do? I'm going to take one or two more people with me to have the conversation. If they don't hear me there, then we take it and we bring the matter in front of everybody. How many know we don't really want to do it God's way? Because about the moment we said, all right, we can't work it out here and we can't work it out there, we'll take care of it on Sunday morning. Now, how many know a lot of people would probably start doing this thing by themselves? If we're really talking about doing it the biblical way, that's how it's to be done. And I, I love this, this teaching because I think if we did it God's way, it would prevent a lot of damage. It, 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 would, it would prevent a lot of damage if we would just do it God's way. Um, as much as it depends on us, what Jesus is teaching us is that we need to be striving for peace. That's what he's talking about. That you need to work hard at, at finding peace in your relationships. And I want to say this. I want to make sure I take my time. Because there, there is a time that you have to know if you've taken the measures that the Bible says, you've went to them, you've taken somebody with you, you've had come, and they don't want to hear. There comes a time when you're allowed to move on, to shake the dust off your feet. You tried they don't want to hear it. Listen, you don't have to live in a prison on, on making sure, because as much as it depends on you, we're to strive for peace. But how many know in relationships, it don't just depend on you, it depends on them. And so if they don't want it, and you do, at some point, you got to just kind of shake it off and move on, and, and God has given you permission to do so. Can we give God praise that, that for that part? I mean, I know the rest of it's kind of hard, but I'm not saying you got to be stuck waiting on that thing to work itself out. Now, look with me. We're going to continue reading. This is the same passage, Matthew 18, starting in verse 18. He, it's, he's continuing the same thought. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So, so the question becomes, why do I need to work so hard on my relationships? And the answer is right here. He just told us how to handle it, but then he says... That if I'll have agreement with people, if I can find unity with people, if I can find peace with people, God says there is the place where my power will be released. I'll give you power to bind and loose. I'll give you power. Where, where there is agreement, God says I'm going to command a blessing. I wonder what kind of power that God wants to release that we may be missing out on because we refuse to work on our relationships. I wonder. He ties it all together. So there's power if I can agree. Could it be that there's a lack of power in your life because there's a lack of agreement in your life? Could it be there's a lack of power in your life because you don't really care about people or peace? God's power is connected to agreement. Um. And some of us, the, 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 the truth of the matter is we choose. Because if I can't go through life without experiencing hurt, 
It's not about trying to get through life without experiencing hurt. It's getting through life responding the appropriate way. And some of us, instead of choosing to work on it, we choose to be bitter. We choose to be frustrated. We, we choose it. We, we, and, and there's nothing worse, I'm gonna throw it out, there's nothing worse than growing old and bitter. Amen. I mean, nothing worse. An old bitter, you could be sitting there taking care of their bunions, serving them, bringing them, all, like taking care of them. And they cussing you out because they grew old and bitter. Come on, tell somebody, I'm not getting old and bitter. I'm not getting old and bitter. Um, and so with that, we understand that love becomes a powerful force. There's something about love that, it, that, that is extremely powerful. And, and love um, that is absent of truth, we've learned in the series, is a lie. So, so if I'm saying I love you, but there's a lack of honesty, we are now in our relationship, we're living out a lie. Truth that is not in connection with love is, is now harsh. And so how many of we got to marry love and truth? We got to marry love and honesty in our relationships. And love is the driving force of relationships that last. Love is what will cause a father to work a job he hates for 50 years because he loves his family so much that I'm going to get up every morning and go work a job I hate because I love my family. How many of that's love? That, I mean, that's love. Uh, love is a, a mother who carries a, a baby to full term and nine months of this. And, and then three months into the baby being born, still up at 4 a.m., rocking that baby to sleep, worn slap out. How many of that is love? And so love causes us to do things that we wouldn't do without love. But I want to get to this part of it. Sometimes we don't understand the difference between loving a person and loving a characteristic that they carry. We, we don't know the difference. And we have to be careful that... Because what we go through in life often determines what becomes attractive in others. And what I mean by that, if you grew up in extreme poverty and you, you, your house, you were moving from eviction notice to eviction notice, when you meet someone maybe for the first time who is financially secure, maybe they're really wealthy, that's attractive to you because of what you grew up in, Okay. Same thing, there's a million things I could take you through. But those traits become attractive, and sometimes we think we're in love with a person, but we're really in love with a characteristic that is magnified because of what we've gone through. I'm not trying to take you to psychology class, but I'm telling you, if you grew up poor, then somebody with money, that's attractive. If you grew up in a home, where it was extremely harsh and disciplined and by the book and there wasn't a lot of love and hugs and I love you and none of that. When you find it and when you see it, guess what? It's attractive to you because you, you only experience the other part of that. And so I have to understand that when it comes to love, in, in a real loving relationship, I have to anticipate weaknesses. Love is not an absence of weakness. Love means that I'm going to love you in spite of your flaws. That's what it means. If a couple's been married for 40 years, how many know they've had to overlook some stuff? 
The Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. All right? So if, you're, if you've been married a long time, it's because you already know each other's weaknesses. You already know each other's flaws. And you are loving them in spite of weaknesses, in spite of flaws. And, and so you need to hit somebody real quick and just tell them, I'm not all that. Come on, I'm not all that. <laughs> I'm going somewhere, I promise. Um, and if you're one of those people that come across as holy, righteous, I pray 24-7, I only eat manna, um, I've never cussed, I've never even thought of a cuss word. Um, you should drive with me, by the way. Um, I keep it in check. God's working on me. Um, but if you're one of those people that want to present all the time how holy and perfect you are, you scare me. Matter of fact, I'm running from you. And the reason I'm running from you is because I think that when people project that, it's because they knew that they know that if you knew the real them, it would probably be a deal breaker. There's a reason why they're projecting self-righteousness all the time. There are some flaws underneath the hood. How do I know that? Because we're all flawed. Can you give God praise right there? Come on. We're all flawed. There's something underneath the hood, all right? Now, I'm going somewhere. Jesus said it's impossible to go through life without offenses. It's impossible to live life and never be offended. So it's not about getting through you know, untouched from offense. It's about getting through and responding in the way that God wants me to respond. So let's look at the types of offense real quick. The first type of offense is direct offense. Direct. This is when someone hurts you. Now watch this. This is a straight line hurt. Straight line. They did something to you. They said something to you. Maybe... Um, their inaction is what hurt you. They should have been doing some, whatever. It's a direct line. They hurt you. That's a direct offense. Um, this one's easy to understand. But what we have to know with direct offense is, is that when someone hurts me, I now enter into a battle that I didn't have before they did what they did. And the battle, how many know if you've re ever really been offended, you enter into a battle. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, you enter into a battle because you're having to overcome these emotions and these feelings and you're trying to get back to a place of peace and health in your relationship with God and others and, and, and it's a battle. But I want to tell you right now, the battle, that battle is worth fighting because the alternative is you grow old and bitter. And I'm going to tell you right now, nobody wants to hear this, but if you choose to live offended, you will never arrive at the promise God has. You'll never get there. God doesn't let offended people come into destiny. At some point, you're going to have to let it go. So there's direct offense. Secondly, and I, I want to say, this is the one I hate. This is the one all preachers hate. We hate it. It's indirect offense. All preacher, talk to any preacher and talk to him about this one. I bet you they got a ton of stories to tell you. 
of how this thing can play out. Um, this is when the offense didn't happen to you. It happened with someone that you care about. And you take on their offense like it happened to you. Um, and so the way it works in a church setting is, is that if there's a problem to be dealt with, you can never really deal with the problem because if you deal with the problem, you're not dealing with an isolated thing. You're now dealing with everyone they're connected to, everyone they have influence with. You're not dealing with one person. You might be dealing with 50, 50 people. And so preachers know if I'm going to deal with something, we already calculate how many people might leave because people won't do it the Bible way. They don't take their offenses to the one person. They're going to share it with every friend. They're going to make it their life's mission to destroy the church because they're offended. I'm sure there's a big trophy for you someday. I don't know who's giving it out, but maybe you'll win that. Um, and so we know that we're going to be dealing not with an isolated thing, but a very connected thing. And, and the reason we, gotta, we calculate that is because we know that people are not mature enough to do it God's way. And I've been doing this a long time. I've been doing it a long time. I've got friends that have been doing it a long time. Um, but if it didn't happen to you, what are you mad at? You can't clap, I know. Scripture teaches that if it didn't happen directly to you, you don't have a reason to be mad. Principal can get on your kid at school. I, I'm not going to leave this just at the church. I want to show you how it works in the real world. You go down to the school and show your behind to the principal for getting on your kid who's done nothing wrong. As if the principal has so much free time that they just sit around thinking about how I can get on that person's kid. And we go down and we show ourselves, and it's not what happened to us, it's what perceivably happened to someone we care about. It's not our offense, but we take it on. Indirect offense is bad because you don't get to deal with the problem. you got to deal with everyone. And Jesus said, stop bringing everybody into it. If you're offended, if you're going to talk about it, there's only one place to go. The person who offended you. Anything else is gossip. Anything else violates God's word. And any other way of going about it is not going to produce the desired result that everyone wants out of the situation. So, so you, you may say, I just don't think I was done right, and you're sharing it with all these people. you got to get off the phone and stop telling people because it's none of their business. It's your offense. Come on, church. Um, and this is hard because we get emotional, we get in the moment, we got feelings, and that's why I'm saying you got to fight through feelings to reach peace. Um. Keep it between you two. If that doesn't work, then you, can, then you can involve a third party. If that don't work, then you can bring it before the church. That's the steps Jesus gave us to deal with offense. And, and I hate indirect offense because I can't just deal with that one thing. It's kind of like the wheat and tear. When the servant asked, can I pluck up the tear? Jesus said no, because if you, 
if you take up the tear, it's also going to pull out the wheat. And, and, and the reason is because the tear, the weeds, their roots grow around what you're trying to grow. And so you can deal with the problem, but in dealing with the problem, how many of sometimes good people get caught in a bad situation? And, 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 if, and, and if everybody could have done it God's way, then we don't have any of that. Um, and so, and let me say this. I said this in between services. Karen and I were talking about some of these principles, and I was like, you know, the, the problem with indirect offense is that if, if, if somebody, if I know you and you got offended with someone and you share it with me instead of sharing it with the person who did it to you and I take it on, here's what I have to understand. I don't have the grace. God has not given me the grace to carry that burden. So if I'm not graced to carry that offense instead of finding a resolution because I don't have a grace for it, I will implode because I was never meant to carry it. I was never meant to shoulder it. I don't have a grace to carry that. And, and so a lot of people can get called up in a bad situation and get, get plucked away from the place God has placed their promise, their destiny, their potential, all of those things, all because not we were offended, we just took on someone else's. Y'all struggling? Nine o'clock struggled. I don't think they struggle, struggle nearly as bad as you all are. So there's direct offense. There is, in, I'm offended right now, bless God. I'm offended because you all are leaving me up here, hanging me out to dry. Nobody's saying it. I am so offended right now, church. I'm kidding. I am totally kidding. Direct offense, indirect offense, and then there's a third type, and it comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. I'm going to save a little time by not reading the whole thing. But at the bottom of that, in verse 7, Therefore to you who believe, he says, Jesus is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of uh, stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed to which they also were appointed. In that text, he's talking about the living stone is building up spiritual stones. Talking about Jesus, the chief cornerstone, is building spiritual stones. And and guys, this structure, we call it God's house. But I, I want you to know that this that we're sitting in today is completely irrelevant if this is not working. Like this could be a Walmart tomorrow. Like, you could just, you could turn into a grocery, anything you want. So this is irrelevant if this, the living stones, if that is not working the way God intended for it to work. And so the third, direct, then indirect, and then the third type is offense that brings change. Jesus is not offensive to the areas of your life where you are in line with his word. But Jesus is very much offensive to the areas of your life that are not in alignment with the word of God. Listen, we, it, it, the parts, like if you're a tither and I preach on tithe, that don't offend you. You're praising God. If, if, if you believe in praise and worship and I, I preach a message on praise and worship, you're like, that's right, pastor. If I say shout, you're gonna shout because you believe in the power of praise. But you're gonna have somebody sitting around saying it don't take all that. And they mad. 
Do you know the sermon that makes you the most mad? That's the place God wants to deal with every single time. And, and so a lot of times it's, it's God will see to it if there's an area in my life that needs to change, sometimes God has to offend me to move me to the next level. Jesus is called the rock of offense. And so I've got to be a truth teller and I've got to be a Bible preacher because that's what I'm called to do. Um, and I gotta let the chips fall where they're gonna fall and preach the whole book. And, and the reason I gotta preach the whole book is because you have been anointed and blessed to be, um, to receive the blessings of the word of God. How many of the word of God is a blessing? And we're appointed to receive the blessings in the book. And so I say that to say, I don't spend time trying to find out your opinion so that I can prepare my message. Like, it doesn't really matter because your opinion isn't going to change me. But the Word of God is going to change me. It, it, you, may be, you may give a million dollars a year to Bethesda Church, but I'm not going to change what I preach to make sure I don't. Chad Dingus can't be bought. I've never been able to be bought. I don't care how much you get. I'm going to preach the book, not your opinion. Why? Because the book is what blesses me. The book is what changes me. It's what gets into my mood. It gets into my ministry. It gets into my marriage. It gets into my mind. Listen, the Word of God is what changes us. And we cannot get away from the Word. When people's opinions go up, and down, the Word of God is consistent. Come on, church, give him a praise right there. I got to preach the book. Sometimes God offends me in an attempt to change me. If I'm prideful, a message of humility will offend me. If I'm greedy, a message on sacrifice and generosity is probably going to offend me. If I'm offended, a message on forgiveness is going to offend me. The Word of God offends in the areas of our life that are not in alignment. When Peter preached his first message on the day of Pentecost, he preached about 10 minutes and 3,000 people got saved. But the Bible says something very I want you to know, that, that's not, that wasn't pleasant for them. They didn't say, oh, we love our Pastor Peter. They were cut by the Word because there were parts of their life not in alignment to what he was preaching. They had a choice to make. I can be cut and offended and wounded, or I can repent and be saved. And, and, and so they made the decision to repent. They didn't allow it to push them into offense, but they allowed it, the offense, to change them. In Matthew 18, we read it. Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, go tell them. One-on-one, -on -one, you go tell them. Same Jesus, different conversation. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Therefore... If you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, go your way, 
First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. The first one said, if I got hurt, I go to them. This one is saying, if I hurt someone, I go to them. So Jesus, help us get this right. Is this what, if they hurt me, it's my responsibility. If I hurt them, it's my responsibility. How long will you wait for someone to show up at your doorstep and apologize? How long are you gonna wait on a moment that may never come? See, I'm not gonna give people that kind of power over me to lock me up and keep me waiting on them to say I'm sorry. If I'm reading that right, one of two things are connected to the altar. Don't check out, I'm about done. The altar is a place of giving, but it's also a place of worship. And we know that God places high priority on both giving and worship. Angels worship God 24-7. We know that when it comes to giving, where our treasure is, our heart is, because giving is a heart issue. And they are both extremely important in God's economy. They are, they are priorities. Worship and giving are important, but peace trumps both. Did you hear me? Peace trumps both. He's saying that if you come to worship God at the altar and there you're, you're, you're giving God praise, your hands are lifted, God's looking down and he's like, put your hands down and go fix it. If I'm walking around offended, God don't want to see me worshiping. He wants to see me go make something right. I know. I can be dancing around with my $1 bill folded up 74 times. My offering, y'all know how church people, y'all seen church people fold that thing up like seven zillion times. God's like, put that back in your pocket. I don't care if it's a million, put it back in your pocket. If you're offended, you should go work on that. Then come back. He said, he didn't say don't get, he said, leave it there. And the reason God says leave it there is because he wants you to come back to it. Go make it right, and then you can come back and present this. Why? Because God values peace in our relationships. Could it be that your offerings and your worship is being hindered because you refuse to take care of first things first? Could it be? Could there be a blessing God is waiting to bring into your life and it hinges on a conversation you don't want to have? Could it be that simple that there are some things being held up that God would love to release but he's, he's waiting on you to take peace very seriously in your relationships? Um, I want to say this and then I'll close. Don't live in bondage to this. I'm not, I'm not preaching this so that you go and you spend the rest of your life trying to make something right. How many, as much as it depends on you, let there be peace. So if you go and they don't want it, you're free to move on. Don't live your life begging people to love you. You're more valuable than that. 
If you tried, they didn't want it, move on. Shake the dust off your feet and move on. If you tried and they, you move on. Don't live in that kind of prison. I want you to stand to your feet all over this room and I wanna say this before I pray. If I, I could open up this altar, we're gonna open up the altar for prayer, but some of what I've taught today, this is not you come up front if you've been offended and we're gonna pray for you and everything's gonna be all right. That's not what it is. And so the altar call is, you know what to do. While I was preaching, maybe a face came into your mind, a name came into your mind, or maybe you thought I should make a phone call, or what, and I'm not saying you gotta go make all the wrongs in your life right, I'm just saying, how many, the Holy Spirit will lead you. He will, he will let you know. He will, you'll have that, you can't get away from the voice of the Holy, when he speaks and says, I need you to, make this right or make that phone call or reach out to this person what, whatever it is you know what to do the Holy Spirit will lead you I want you to bow your heads close your eyes no one looking around if you're in this place today and you're not in relationship with Jesus Christ I want to give you an opportunity to make him the Lord of your life the truth is is that we are in relationship with him because he has forgiven us that's, that's what it's based on it's based on his goodness he loved us in spite of our flaws. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I need to be saved. I want to leave this place differently than I came in. If that's you, in-house or online, if you're in-house, if that's you, would you just slip your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, I want to be saved today. I want to know Jesus as my personal Lord. I want to know him as my Savior. Anyone in-house, those that are watching online, our chat hosts would love to pray with you. Who knows when you'll be watching this. You may watch this back on a replay. And so I wanna, I wanna pray this with everyone. Let's, let's pray this together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, to forgive me, to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you give God a praise? Come on, praise Him for life change. Praise Him for the Word. Anybody thankful for the Word? Come on, the Word will save our soul. Altar workers, prayer team, if you would get in place, if you need prayer for anything during this last song, don't miss your opportunity. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv slash give. We'll catch you on the next episode, and we hope you have a great day.